Hi everyone, Tom Panos, John McGrath, Troy Malcolm coming to you live from News Corp and John McGrath's just been served a full platter of fruit. <laughs> Hi Joni, how you going? Hey Tom, it's good to be here in the round room with the fruit platter here. Yeah. So I'm very excited and we must just, just dwell on the Rugby League Grand Final that's just passed. Yeah, so we haven't. Can we spoke. talk about that we, just for a minute? We're gonna we're gonna give it a, a very short version, only because we don't John, need to dedicate the whole podcast. Although that's also an option, but I mean, wasn't it a good thing for well for Bunny supporters? But I think for the NRL, without wanting to sound cheesy, I think it was good for the NRL that Souths were victorious. Absolutely, I think that NRL had a challenging season, and I think what actually happened is that grand final seemed to have made up for all these things that happened throughout the year. And whether you're an AFL supporter, a soccer supporter, any kind of code, I think every person had South Sydney as their second favourite team. team. Well, you know, the other thing, Tom, you know, I've been very fortunate because I've known Russell for many years since we went to school together, as you know. Um, The grand final was won several years ago and Russell took over and Russell invested in the team. Not because he he was a Hollywood actor or a celebrity or he had a big checkbook. None of those things were actually that influential. What it was, was my exposure to Russell was he, he developed a culture that was a brand new culture. You know, and he did a few things. You know, one of the things he did, you may or may not remember, but he, he got rid of cheerleaders. And he had a view that you know, we were going to be, South were going to be a team of the people, the respectful family values. And he had a view that having you know, a number of young women in, in you know, scantily trad leotards on the edge of the football arena every Friday night was not a terribly respectful thing for women, which you know we all agree on, but seems to be a part of the culture. And he said, you know, we're going to create a club that is not about that sort of stuff. It's about, you know, we respect each other, we respect our families, we respect every single one in our community. And that was just one of a number of things, initiatives that Russell brought in that I think you know, have been a part of the success story. So it's nice to have Sam Burgess, it's nice to have GI, and all of those things are good, but there's plenty of other good players in the competition, and there's plenty of other teams that have much bigger checkbooks than South have ever had, because South, of course, don't get to rely on the proceeds from a, a, a leagues club. South have got to do it all themselves, which and they're one of the few clubs that doesn't have a leagues club backing them. So I just thought, you know, it's, it's kind of nice to peek behind the curtain and say that, you know, someone with a vision a number of years ago said, here's how... So, principles, what's the moral of this story? I'm not telling it just because I'm a South fan, but the moral of the story is if you're a principal with a business or if you're a sales agent listening to this, it's about the quality of the decisions you make and the standards that you apply to everything around you that really, in the end, will eventually determine your success. And I think Russell made some great decisions. He brought in a brand-new culture. He held people accountable to higher standards he didn't put up with anything that was suboptimal performance, and a few years later they win the competition. So I think there is an interesting story, jokes aside, behind the win that's you know, certainly worthy for all our listeners to think about. John, what is the culture? You're a board member there. Mm. Russell's a close friend of yours. You've had a lot to do with Souths. What is the culture at that club? Look, it, it's very much about Michael Maguire, by the way. I should have mentioned Michael. I mean, he's a genius of a coach. and. Um, he has been a huge part of it as well, but not just because he's a good strategist. It's around standards and what they demand of themselves and expect of each other. And Souths are very much about, you know, whether they're training, whether they're at rehab, whether they're at a, a corporate event, the club, the coach, the executive team, the owners expect excellence at all times from every South player. 
So, you know, touch wood, we haven't had the same sort of dramas as unfortunately many clubs have had to deal with, which is poor behaviour from their players, you know, on and off the field, more, more so off the field. You know, Souths have, you know, have relatively come through with very strong uh, image in the community and deservedly so. So I think it is about excellence. It's about expecting more and expecting more from each other. The teamwork within the club is phenomenal. I mean, they would die for each other, and, I, and I'm sure there's a lot of rugby league teams like that, but they're very protective of each other, uh, they very much care for each other. And I think if we, again, we go back to the work environment, Tom, unfortunately there's too many real estate businesses where the competition seems to be within, where there are people that list properties and they kind of keep it from their colleagues because they don't want their colleagues to know, and when they ask their colleagues questions, they're not sure if they're being told the truth. I mean, at, at a, whether it's in the world of sports or the world of business, there has to be integrity, excellence, high standards and transparency in everything you do. So I think there's, there's always lessons between sport and business. I think they're so similar in the way they're won or lost. Um, so I think, you know, whether you support, support South or not, there is a good story behind how they got to the top of the mountain. Okay. So there you go. Uh, John has his NRL team, he's won. You've given us uh, some good reasons on why they did it, but most importantly, the thing I get out of that conversation, John, is that the 2014 grand final was actually won three years ago. Exactly right. Just like the listing that you get or don't get this afternoon, a big factor on that is how you've been performing six, 12 months ago because everyone is watching what you're doing in your community. Yeah. So if you were doing magnificent open for inspection six months ago and a prospective client came across them and saw you, at your absolute best, which you should be at all times, that's going to put you in good stead this afternoon when you turn up for a listing presentation. So, you know, always be on top of your game. Okay. John, we thought we'd use this podcast where you and I would go out and give five sharp takeaway tips that people could do right now. The reason why, John, is we know people, this is the busiest time of the year most likely. They're busier more than ever doing opens, busier more than ever going to auctions. So what we thought is we'd give sharp five takeaway points. John, we might do it one each, um, we'll alternate. And, Can I just uh, say on that, Tommy? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree with everything you've said. Here's the problem. Everyone that's listening to this tape, podcast, is always going to be busy for the rest of their lives. I mean, yeah, Christmas, okay, a couple of weeks off, but most people are trying to refresh themselves with their family. But generally speaking, 365 days a year are going to be busy. What we need to be better at is reinventing ourselves in real time despite the busyness. So as you're listening to this podcast, think about the stuff you hear now, how are you going to implement that and change your routine if it, if it fits with you and if you like it. Because you're right, busy is a terrible excuse. I'm too busy to do this, too busy. You're always going to be too busy, but if it's important, you'll make time. Why don't okay. you start? You go first. John, the first thing I would say, my number one is I would buy a journal, pretty much similar to the one I've just got right in front of me now. A nice black journal, I think it's about $30, $40. And in that journal, what I would do is I would write down things such as my goals. I would write down things that I'm grateful for. I would write down anything that comes to my mind that is useful that I should capture. And I would keep this uh, book with me because what we know is that when you write things down, for instance, you write down your goals, you're advertising to yourself a preview of your life's coming highlights. And that's very useful because sometimes when you feel like quitting by looking at things, it reminds you why you started in the first place. Yeah, years, so, years ago, Tony Robbins, I went to one of his conferences and I know you've seen him speak and 
he talked about a, a journal, journaling and success journal, I think he called it, to talk about things that, that you loved doing, things that you wanted to do, and, and sort of creating a visual path for yourself. I, uh, I agree 100%. Um, Over to you, John. Oh, look, the first one I had, because I always talk about, Tom, biz, real estate business is about three key areas, prospect, list, sell. So I start with work prospecting. What I suggest is I think most of the listeners are sitting there guilt, feeling a bit guilty of the fact that they probably don't ring and keep in touch with their past clients. So stop feeling guilty for a start and just recognise that if that's been the case, it's a mistake, but you can change it today. So I would get a printout of all your past clients um, and their phone numbers and pop it in the passenger seat of your car. Every time you go to a meeting, I'd ring someone and just touch base. And say, Tom, I know it's been a while since we've spoken, but I think often about you and the family, and I just wanted to touch base, see how you guys are enjoying your new home. Uh, of course, if there's anything I can ever do, please let me know. I'm still up the road, and I'm still loving real estate, and, and you know, whatever you're going to say. But it doesn't have to be... In fact, I don't think it should be a prospecting call, personally. I like to come in from the point of view... Oh, I'm, I want to connect with you because that's my view is that we build communities and we create relationships. We don't just do transactions or the smart people don't do transactions. So I think you've got to get on the front foot and make sure that you are in contact at least twice a year by phone and many other opportunities in the meantime to send people details and newsletters. I'd be looking to do call your past clients. Beautiful. They could actually start right now as this podcast finishes. That straight is away. A, a straight now. away. That is a to-do action. Um, John, my second one is, I don't know if you recall, about two years ago, I got you to do a three-part video series Mm -hmm. at your office. Troy Malcolm, in fact, filmed it. It was one of the uh, first video blogs that um, I did. It was actually way beyond the, we started uh, this Million Dollar Podcast. Those three-part videos are the most viewed thing that I've had any of the clients that I speak to, whether they do my attraction agent stuff, my nine-week program, whatever, they say those three videos that were shot where we talked scripts, we talked about dialogue, we talked about mindset, we talked about separation, we talked about uh, clearing um, the air and moving forward, they go for uh, 25 minutes each, and I think all they've got to do is go on to, they're on my website, they're also on YouTube, I think they've had... 10, 12,000 views, John. They're very viewed real estate. Uh, Which in a way is disappointing because there's 40,000 agents in Australia. And, and I thank you for what you've just said. I'm delighted that people have found some value, hopefully. But, you know, why is, what does the other 30 or 40,000 people not want to learn, not just from me, of course, but from anyone out there? I mean, uh, information is, uh, much of it is free. Yeah. Like the stuff that we do and, and those, those things that are on your website. So interesting. Over to you, John. So we talk about prospect list sell on the listing side. And when I say to most people, if 10 was world best and zero was zero, where would you put your listing presentation? What do you think the number I get most? Five, six. six. Yeah, six. So most people say I'm a six. And I just think about that and I think, well, you know, this, that's just not good enough. Listing, you know, prospecting is critical. Listing is critical. If you are not at least a 9 out of 10 by your own definition at a world-class benchmark out of 10, why haven't you reinvented? So if I was sitting there and I'm saying, yeah, I'm probably a 6 or a 7 or even a a 7.5, anything less than a 9 I think is unacceptable if this is your full-time career. So redesign your listing presentation. Go onto your website. Go to ARIC. Go to whatever you want to go to. Fine. Talk to the best lister in your office. Find out what are people that are at an 8 or a 9 out of 10 in excellence doing and then redesign 
over the Christmas break, that might be something you might wait because if you're in the middle of a lot of business now, you may want not want to redesign until you've actually got a little bit of clear space. But in a few weeks' time, you most agents in Australia will have a bit of time to refresh, take a breath, and redesign themselves for next year. So that would be, I think you have to get a 9 out of 10 listing presentation. Okay. John, that takes me to my number three, which could be um, your two-part B, and that is that I think today, if you're serious about improving, you'll get on the phone, call a lister that you consider to be one of the best, and you'll go out and have coffee with that person. And what you will do is you'll sit there and you'll have a conversation, and I think, John, that most great people in real estate would be happy to sit down with someone and have a coffee, and I think that you will learn a lot out of that one-on-one conversation and you'll probably walk away feeling inspired about having done it. So that's a simple getting on the phone and calling a top lister and taking him out for coffee or lunch. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Over to you. Um, Okay, the next thing I had, we had a a little power breakfast that we do and you've spoken at for our, our company where we get everyone together in the same room a couple of times a year. And one of our top guys, a young guy called Kevin Dearlove, who's a beautiful person and a, and a great, great performer. Anyway, Kevin talked about, in fact, he'd 2 x his business in the last 12 months, which is always our goal for our team members and our new agents. And I said, Kevin, what, do you, what did you do that was different? And he said, there were two things. One is I started using price guides on everything. He said, I'd been in the lazy option of not having that conversation around price. So it was always price on request for his auctions. He's an auction agent. So he said, I took the lesson, even though you've been saying it for years, John, I I understood it, and I started putting price guides on. And he said it's worked. And the other thing was to do with realestate.com.au, but it doesn't matter whichever portal you're committed to or that works in your region, is he put everything to Premier or the top of the list. So he said those two things double were, were the main reasons he doubled his business, price guides, and he dominated the digital space in his area. There's only a couple of things I'd add to those, so hopefully people get a lesson out of that. I would be adding floor plans and videos as well. In the the digital environment, people now want to be able to have access to everything. They want to download contracts. They want to download floor plans. They want to have a video of a property, all this sort of stuff. So um, there are four things you can do now. Get your properties listed that are listed at the top of the search ranking. Start using price guides. Pop a floor plan on everything and um, start using video and see what that does to your business. Beautiful. We're flying through this. And we've been given the signal by Troy. We've got about three or four minutes. Uh, he's merciless, isn't he? Yeah. Is like, I've got to say, this is a rejuvenated Troy Malcolm. There's, he's there's coming no sharp fuzzy on. lines. There's no edges, fuzzy lines. It's black and white. We're getting the wind up, but we're going to keep going, he, Tom. I think he, he might cut us off, but we'll keep going. John, he, he packed his bags that last podcast. He, re, he, re, he repacked his bag, and he's come back as a different version of Troy Malcolm. Troy, give me a second. <laughs> um, next thing I would do is I would get the 10 most influential people that you think can help you and you can help and I would create them in a special section of your database and treat them differently because I can't help but seeing John that there are the top agents have got this small group of people that keep referring business to them some of them they haven't even actually sold their property for them it's just that they've got this amazing relationship with them and there's a saying, it's not who you know, it's who knows you, and these people give you that leverage. Yeah. So I would select 10 people, put them in the database, and give them a call today. Very good. And my next one is, there's three, I don't care where you go in the world and what level of agent you talk to, there's generally three major objections or speed bumps that agents have to overcome before they get a property listed. And it's often, often about um, 
your appraisal of my property was a bit more conservative than the others that I've spoken to, Tom. So I want to know, do you not like my property as much as the other agents? That sort of conversation. Um, two is marketing. Well, the other agents aren't charging me for marketing, or I don't really think I want to or need to market my property. So you need to know how you deal with that because, of course, you can't maximise price without strong marketing. And the third one is, of course, fees. Everyone is taught, as a vendor, as a consumer, see if you can get a better deal. Now, by the way, it doesn't matter when someone asks you or it doesn't mean when someone asks you if you can do it for cheaper that they're not going to hire you unless you actually do do it for cheaper. So since they are the only three serious um, game-changer, deal-breaker type objections, you need to ask yourself how proficient and confident are you at responding into that conversation. Again, most agents I talk about are a six. Get yourself up to a nine. Beautiful. John, my final one would be I would create a clear list and it could even be handwritten and it would say hot 25 buyer list. And they are the hottest buyers that you've got that are probably going to buy a property between now and the end of this calendar year. And I would be calling them and getting super close with them because every minute that you don't call them, you're giving an opportunity to another agent to actually do something with that buyer. So I would define Beautiful. those hot 25. And Tom, on top of that, just to take it a bit further, um, personally, when I was dealing with my hot 25 buyers, which by the way, my agents are one or two X, I'm now saying it's a hot 50. If you're in a W business, you've got to be working with more qualified buyers ready to make the decision. Uh, and second thing is, how frequently, twice a week, communicate with them, even if you have nothing to show them. These are the people that are about to sign a contract somewhere. You want to know what are they doing. Keep in touch with them. And send them information, market updates. You know, it could be an RP data report. It could be you know, a listing you've just sold that they'd looked at three weeks ago. Just keep them in the loop. So very important. M my last one is, you, know, you and I both thrive on energy, physical, um, mental, emotional. And we, I think we recognise the importance that energy has to play with culture, if you're a principal, uh, sales, uh, relationships, professional and business and so forth. So do a check-up on your energy. There's two sorts of energy. There's the physical and there's the emotional and the mental. Well, three, I guess, emotional and mental could be separated out. Um, physical's easy, you know, join the 5am club, start doing half an hour's exercise, just do something, eat better food. It's, it's kind of 101 stuff. It's not hard to figure out. How can you make yourself feel better and be fitter? Um, the mental and emotional, for me, that's about around also diet, but it's around your emotional and mental diet. Make sure the people you're hanging out with are inspirational. Make sure you're not spending time on negative activities, negative things, reading negative stuff. Um, really immerse yourself with podcasts, seminars, books, um, e-books, uh, articles, and magazines, these are the things that can inspire you. And if you read an inspiring article every single morning as a part of your daily diet with your breakfast um, or listen to a podcast for 15 minutes that inspires you, your day is going to go into a momentum mode. So that would be my final one. Gee, there's a lot of stuff there, wasn't John, there? John, there's a heap of content there. That was good, short, sharp. And I think that if people just did maybe one of those, they're going to be better than the start of this podcast. Or one a week. Like one a week. There's, there's probably about 10 weeks or so, roughly till Christmas, um, and maybe one a week introducing a new concept and you're in momentum by the end of the year. So uh, that was good. All right. Uh, one final thing I'll say, John, as you were finishing that last one, uh, I've had a couple of people say, Tom, as I listen to your podcast and 
listen to what John's saying and I make changes. I notice that some of the people in my office that I was close with, that I would hang around with, think I've, you know, I'm changing and I don't spend time with them and I'm becoming too focused and greedy with work and they'll talk behind my back. I get those common things and I think John, um, to our listeners, they've got to understand and accept that as you make changes and you start heading in a new direction in your life, that um, you can't affect what people say about you behind your back. You, you know, and they're probably. I, I think in fact, it's none of your business. It's really. none of your business. And the reason, um, don't forget, they're behind you for a reason. Yeah, there, there will always. You're 100 percent right, Tom. There's always going to be people who will see you changing for the better, and will um, not support you. They'll feel jealous. Uh, as long as it is for the better, I mean, there's not, not every, every change is always, and some people in their pursuit of success do get too greedy, and they do start knocking people out of the way. So you do need to do a reality check to make sure if there are any whispers that you are actually in the right, um, and you know, speak to someone that cares about you, that you trust, that, that's got the ability to give you an assessment. But nine out of 10 of the times those people are knocking you, it's just because they're jealous and they don't like the fact that you're changing and they're not. So. But just do a quick reality check. Okay, John, it's great having you. We're off to go look at some of these ARIC potential speakers shortly that are going to do a presentation. So excited about that. You'll see the best one or two on stage next year at ARIC. It's going to be a great initiative, Tom, of yours. And I think it's uh, it's a very exciting way to build our um, our speaker platform. Troy, did you see that? (laughs) Let's highlight that. John said it was an initiative of mine. So Troy just edited that out before you put this to air, will you? I was going to say, I think I've lost the whole thing. <laughs> All righty, guys, girls, we will talk to you next week. Bye, See guys. you later.